0: Mike's a good kid, He's <clears throat> really honoring. kind of an honorary kid, and maybe a story will help with that. Mike is a kid that <clears throat> rode his dirt bike where he wasn't supposed to, and you know, a lot of kids would do that, just, you know, if they got caught, they got caught, if they did it, Mike would call the cops before he did it, he would call the police and say, there's this kid riding his little yellow Yamaha uh, down the street and through people's yards, and here comes the police, and he would get out about just far enough for he to get away from them and get off his motorcycle and dance in a circle telling them they couldn't catch him. And uh, so that kind of gets you a picture of Mike. Nothing mean-spirited, just funny. And, and the other kid was a newly-minted Christian, yours truly, who had just become a Christ follower, still had a lot of honoriness left in him. And uh, the first experience that Ronnie had, you begin to wonder if his mom made the right decision, They'd forcing him literally to hang out with us. Mike spent the day trying to get us in trouble And then we had what we called the incident. And uh, we were all riding our bikes down the road, you know, three across, three amigos. And uh, all at once a loud noise was above our heads, this piercing, explosion kind of noise. And uh, the new Christian that I was with just a little bit of teaching about what we're going to look at today. Look at today, didn't have a lot of knowledge about it, didn't understand it. Only with my ADD and heard pieces of it. <laughs> paranoid of anything prophetic. When I say paranoid, I'm not like, oh, I got a little anxious. I'm talking like a switch kicked off of me like the Manchurian candidate. I'm talking about that kind of paranoid. I'm talking about bunker it down. Somebody's out to get me. I'm, you know, that kind of paranoid and a can of prophecy. So I hear this loud noise. I I jump, you have to know the town I grew up in, they're just kind of these ditches that are just, they're part of people's yards, and there's culverts in every driveway, and rode up, and just, you know, midair, I just go to my knees position, hit the ground after this loud noise, and begin praying as loud and hard as I could, you know, not not the best way to make friends, man, when somebody doesn't know much about you, but, uh, I found out later, I discovered later, that that was a sonic boom from a jet fighter from Wright-Patterson. And Ronnie's mom discovered that the grass isn't always greener on the other side of the fence, you know, when you force people to be together. So I've had this paranoia with prophecy at end times, or I did have as a young Christ follower. And that's kind of what fed it. Let's read some of the verses that that were used, and we're going to see probably why. Maybe you have the same background. I hope it just sets you free like God has setting me be free. I want you to look at 1 Thessalonians 4. Look at verse 13. And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died, so you'll not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe when Jesus returns, God will bring back him uh, with them, the believers who have died. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not uh, will not meet Him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord Himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout. Okay, there's the sonic boom story. This is the verse that drove me into people's front yard. It just so happened the people's front yard that I went into were like Pentecostal Methodists, so they appreciated the extra prayers in their front yard. You know, it's the half fields. But the the commanding shout with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God, call of God. First, the Christians who have died will raise from their graves. And together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And we will be with the Lord forever. Now, here's the thing. Here's the verse that I minister. the people that taught me this. Encourage each other with these words. Was not an encouragement to me. Look at this Titus two situation. Titus two. Look at this with me in ASB. Looking for the blessed hope. That's what we're going to talk about today. The blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for Himself a people for His own possession, zealous for good deeds. I want you to see a timeline. This is kind of the timeline I drew in the first service, so it's already there for us. But right here is where you have us. You know, we're just rocking along and eating up time, and this is just this is it right here. We're just living and having a great time or maybe having a rough time. But there's going to be this moment that's called the rapture. It's called the, the gathering up. It's called the rapture means to transport from one place to another. It's actually a, a word that's it's called rapturo is the, real, is the root word. And about, and I, I'm guessing this, it's within the past 100 and 150 years, we've really started using rapture for blessed hope. Up until Christian, they, they, you know, up until then, as far as I can read, that was kind of blessed hope. I'm sure there are some people that, that call it rapture or whatever, but you get the picture. What the rapture is, is this moment in history when Jesus Christ gathers the church. When he gathers, gathers the church, we look forward. To that blessed hope and the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. God gathers up the church. I just want you to see this timeline. And then somewhere between that gathering and this disappearance of the believers, where God just takes believers to himself, just like He did. If you need an Old Testament reference, He did this with Enoch. The Bible says Enoch walked with God, and He was not. He didn't die, because God took him. He just went out for a walk. And he was praying one day, and God, said, "Hey, I want you to come over here and hang out me. And Enoch's like, cool. And I'm out. They didn't find his bones. They didn't have a funeral service. He was gone. Well, Enoch was out of there. He was out of the picture. So we've seen this happen in the, in the Bible before. But you have this. And then on the scene, sometime in there will come a man. And, and we don't know exactly how. There's all these movies. And what happens is, within time things, we kind of take this continuum. And we smash it together. And there's all these confusing pieces. And that's what I've really been trying to spread this thing out. And like, let you see from the Bible, just from the Bible... What God has to say, that you make decisions what you're going to do with end time stuff, and you know, you live your life accordingly, and you do with it, let God speak to you the way you want, the way He wants. But there's going to be a time where chaos and all of this kind of stuff, and we don't know where America falls, we don't know all the ins and outs, but we know at some point there's going to be a man appointed to a one world government. We're already moving. And you, you step out of spiritual realm in the secular realm. We're already moving towards a one world government, towards a one world economy. There's just some key pieces. Listen to the messages from the last couple weeks. You'll check that out. What we really had what God really has to say about science. All this stuff's kind of shadowed. There's nothing truly taking place yet. Uh, on the big scale that Israel became a nation that's the most important one but the next thing on the scene is rapture not earthquakes not tsunamis not polar ice caps melting it's the rapture it's the gathering up it's the blessed hope of Jesus Christ where Jesus doesn't touch earth he gathers people up to him we're going to see how it works in just a moment but then you're going to have this moment where this guy eventually comes in he's going to set himself up one world government one world religion world economy, and it's going to seem like it's really working. Three and a half years of peace, but about halfway through, and we'll touch on this next couple weeks. There's going to become this situation where it's really hell on earth, and then you have these, this situation. They're going to invade Israel, and almost, and probably not on the perforated more like this. You have the you have the return of Jesus Christ, where He does touch touch earth. We're going to see what takes place in here for Christ's followers. We're going to see, look, that. The, there's other stuff on the continuum that we're not even going to look at until next week. But but the, the, the rapture, the blessed hope, there, there's this line of demarcations in the Bible. We have them in our history, you know, the Civil War, Vietnam. We, everybody probably remembers where they were at 9-11. There's just these moments that, that are just real lines of demarcation on the historical, chronological scale, right? I mean, they're just there on the continuum. And biblically, it's no different. You have God creating man. You have man's mess up. These are real big lines. Because up until that, God walked with man and God connected with man like he wants to do at the rapture. Then you have the flood, the great flood. There's tons of evidence for that. There's great books written on that. You can study on that. You can kind of see the debate between evolutionism and creationism. It's fascinating. It's awesome. God flooded the earth, and you see, this is a line of demarcation, this is a line uh, geographically of demarcation, this is a line, you know, the, as far as meteorology, it was a line of demarcation. You have these moments, and then the next big one, biblically, there's all these cool things that take place, that the next biblic, the next big one, line of demarcation, they're real close together, was the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. And then you have the life that 33 and a third years later, you have the death of Christ, Theologians have argued that through a few centuries, whether you know God died really, or was it just a flesh or his spirit? I mean, there's all these arguments that are above our praying grades, and we let them figure that out. Has nothing to do biblically with what Christ did, but it's just something they like to ponder and that's cool. Have at it. Three days later Jesus rose again. And that's the deal breaker difference maker. Jesus rose again in the year of our Lord. That's why time is based on him before Christ, the year of our Lord, right? I mean, there's just there, there, that was a line of demarcation in history when Jesus rose from the dead. If you still struggle with that, I get it, man. You've got to wrestle through that stuff and just do more than Believe Newsweek and all these things that you hear in the Discovery Channel and all this kind of lost gospels. Man, read the Bible, let God speak, see what takes place. The rapture is the next line of demarcation on the biblical timeline. And after looking at the timeline, you can can easily do something more effective, encourage ourselves with the rapture. I'm telling you, man, this stuff was presented so horrifically for me. And there are some frightening pieces, but God said, listen, even with the frightening, disturbing pieces, I want you to encourage one another. I want this to be a difference maker in your life. I want this to to better your life. I want you to, to live more effectively because it so we gotta say, okay, let's back this train up. I had tons of nightmares. I remember one, I was I was I dreamt that I was looking out my mom's bedroom window, looking into the front yard, the sky went crazy, it went funky, crazy, red, orange, and then all at once I looked over in the front yard here, and the shrubbery lava was coming up, and it was the end of the world. All these things have been scrunched together for me, and I didn't know what to make of it. So I wake up out of a dead sleep, I'm sweating. I'm crying. My mom wasn't a Christ follower. I go in there and I wake her up. and I'm like, mom, you've got to get saved. Jesus is coming back. During the, you know, these, I'd have these rapture dreams where I was going up, I was being caught up. Then I would start coming back down. <laughs> that, was, that was really frightening for me. Like, oh no, I do? you know, and all this weird things. And but I want to just look at the Bible and I want to say, what does the Bible have to say about, about that? Because if you would have, if you would have, if I wrote down all the experiences I had with this and all the dreams I had, you if you didn't know I was a Christ follower, you would think, you know, Patty Peyote, man, what is this guy on? There is something wrong with this guy. And I just, I want God to move in your life, remove the fear and use this. But, but there is this declaration and kind of mechanics to the rapture. This is usually what we focus on in the church circles. Right now, we're operating in an age of grace, right up until the rapture. It could happen any moment, by the way. It could happen right now in the service. But we're operating in an age of grace. We're operating on an um, under an umbrella of grace, even in places where there's lots of persecution. You know Crystal's uncle said Christians are being persecuted in the United States. Just look at the blogs. I'm like, bro, that's not persecution. You know what I mean? There's people being killed in China and in India and Turkey. And, 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 you know, all these nations, there's underground magazines dedicated to this stuff. It, it is horrific. There's more martyrs today than there were 2,000 years ago. It's unbelievable what people are, are experiencing for their faith, not so much in America. But that being said, when God raptures Christ's followers, the church. The church is people, not buildings, not denominations. Not if we all believe in one God. You know, If we all believe, it doesn't matter what you believe, none of that. It's called being a follower of Christ. And Christ removes the followers of himself. There's going to begin at first. It, it, now, it, it seems like an umbrella of grace because there will be peace. Not two, now there will be wars and things like that, but there will be peace into this situation. And there seems to be a gap between the rapture, in the beginning of that three and a half years. There seems to be, if you're a prophetic scholar and you disagree, that's fantastic. But, but there's an end to the age of grace replaced by this umbrella of non-grace. And non-grace looks appealing. It will unify. It appears very tolerant. It will seem like an enlightenment. It will seem like the, the, you know, the dawning of the age of, of, of I mean, whatever Sagittarius, whatever. It will seem like that. It'll seem like everything that they've been heralding from the 60s and really from time before that, it'll seem like all of this suddenly man has arrived in in civilization and culture. He's shaken off the former things. He's shaken off certain religious faiths. But that eventually ends in destruction. And because grace ends in a decision, it ends in a decision that leads to life. But the umbrella of ungrace is a decision that leads to death. And I want you to see this because this is what church is focused on. And probably if you've ever heard anything prophetic, you've encountered these verses and this is what's been fixated on. And the desire was this. The desire, there was good intentions behind it. They wanted you to discover Jesus Christ. And they thought the best way to do that would be to scare the hell out out of you and and not love the heaven into you. But it doesn't matter who you are. Different people require different things. I got saved because I was afraid to be separated from God, in hell, separated from him. My wife got saved in the love of God. Both are biblical according to Jude 22 and 23. But when God uses fear of himself to drive people to repentance, it's not filled with shame and guilt and browbeating. It's filled with freedom. And that's what we're going to see in just a moment. I want you to look at these verses of Titus because this is the important piece to know about the line of demarcation. That while we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ will be revealed. He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin to cleanse us. Okay, that's not the verse I need. I'm sorry. I need the second Thessalonians to, uh, to you. Sorry about that, William. This is the verse that I need right here. He will use every kind of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction because they refuse to love and accept the truth That would save them. So God will cause them to be greatly deceived. And they will believe these lies. This is the piece that's important about the line of demarcation. This is the important piece. God says, listen, up until the age of grace. All through the age of grace. Now, grace of God continues here. It's just not an umbrella anymore. There will be people experiencing the grace of God. Here's the problem. If you've ever heard the gospel, what's the gospel, Jay? The gospel is that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. And if you invite him into your life, you can have a connection to God. You can have eternal life. We're going to see what that means. in just small. There's a lot of stuff going to tie together, right, in the next five minutes, and it's going to be awesome. If you, if you understand that, and you've ever heard that message and it rang true with you, whether you were a good guy, a bad guy, whether you were an outlaw or an in law, it doesn't matter. If you've heard that before, before this moment, and you don't accept Jesus Christ, when you go into this time, you will not accept Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible's saying. That's the line of demarcation. That's what the old old, old school church focused on. It's absolutely relevant. It's absolutely true. The story doesn't stop there. It's this line of demarcation, but that's not what God says. I want you to comfort. Hey, comfort yourselves with this. Hey. Hey. If you don't accept me, you you get to reject me forever. Isn't that awesome? We stop at the wrong spot. There is a line of demarcation. There is is this mechanics to it that that, uh, the dead in Christ will rise first. God wants to restore. Remember, prophecy is all about restoration and redemption. God wants to restore what was lost. And what was lost was that you had a perfect body with a perfect spirit and a perfect emotional balance and a perfect intellect. And when man fell to sin, that was removed. And God said, I want to restore that. And I want you, I want you to, to to know what that's like. And I want you to be free of depression and anxiety. And, and you may struggle with it until the day you die. And some things God will remove. And maybe he'll heal certain things. But the, the, some of this you, you may carry with you to your grave. But I want you to know that once you leave this physical body, those things are a thing of the past. When I rapture you, when I catch you up, those struggles will be gone. Those feuds will be gone. Those feelings will be gone. God says, I want you to know that. But here's the thing. This is the mechanics of it. The dead in Christ, all this happens in the blink of an eye, dead in Christ, the we which are alive and remain, you know, we're, we're right behind them. Like, Phew, I took bottle rockets. That used to scare me to death because I hate heights. And I hate you know, roller coasters, so I picture everything about the rapture is going to suck for me. That's what I'm picturing, right? I'm going to go up, it's going to take my breath away. Don't know if I'm going to make it or not. I got you know, all this stuff crammed together for me, browbeating me as a new Christ follower. And I don't want that for you. But this is the thing that's always pictured. How many people have ever seen the picture? It's an old poster, I think from the 60s and 70s, probably the 70s, that has Jesus in the sky over the skyline, and all these buses are crashing, all these cars are crashing. Uh, all these planes are crashing, all these people are going, ah, have anybody ever seen that? I'm the only guy that said, pro- okay, one other person, there's, there's two of us, three of us. Wow. You can Google that. Okay, for you can Google this thing online. This was what was fixated on with the rapture of Jesus Christ, you know. And then, you know, like, so, hey, if you want to freak somebody out, teach them about this, and have them come over to your house, have all these clothes and shoes laying around, you know, and don't you know, just let the door open, you know. You've been left behind, you know, scare them to death. So that's the mechanics, and that's what's been focused on. There was a guy I went to Bible college with, had that scene painted on the trunk of his car. On the trunk of his car. He was just trying to be a witness to Jesus. I mean, he was taking the fish side to a whole new level, you know. In case of, the case of rapture, this car's unmanned. I mean, he was, we had a lot of laughs at his expense. Hopefully too, there wasn't too much counseling involved on his end. But it was cool, right? Jesus forgave us, whatever. There's mechanics to this. But there's also this amazing peace, man, that I want you to see. Because God is about redemption. God is about, why did Jesus die and rise again? So we can start a religion and we can bash on other people and we can say our faith is better. No, no, no. no. He did it so you could be bought back. He did it so I could be free and you could be free and we could be bought back from what sin has robbed us of the devastation, the relational dysfunction. The restoration, he wants to make things better. He's going to set the scales straight when he raptures the church and then when he returns ultimately. The scales will be balanced. Look at this with me again. We've read it like four times, two of them were accidental. Look at this with me now. Titus 2. Okay? While we look forward to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed, he gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us. And to make us his very own people. Talking about me? Yep, talking about you. Totally committed to doing good deeds. Here's the big thought. There is life until the end and beyond. We cram all this stuff in. The churches have meant, well, they just want people to not miss out on this big situation and go into this situation. But here's the reality. There's life. If you're a Christ follower, if you know Jesus Christ... There's life that begins here, and their life ends here with them forever. This is a small picture of what Jesus talked about, actually the big picture. Jesus said, I want you to do kingdom living. What is that, Jesus? Jesus said, this is the, this is the way it works. God is guiding and leading your life up to this moment, where at some point, it could be a song, it could be a Billy Graham thing, it could be a message, it could be a book, it could be a church like life, it could be a Baptist church, Catholic church, Nazarene, it doesn't matter. There's a time that you realize that Jesus died and was buried and rose again from me. He did it out of love. And if I call on him, if I say, Jesus, I need you, I by faith receive you, that Jesus Christ would save me. Your whole life, God has been orchestrating up until the moment. That message is clear. And God died and rose again so you could say yes to him. The Holy Spirit is, is drawing you. He is begging you. He is loving on you. He is saying that's what you need. He is letting the lights come on. Because God wants you in that moment to accept him as your savior. Now, here's where we mess it up as Christ followers, okay? Jesus taught kingdom living. Jesus said life begins at that moment. So you continue the rest of your life walking, knowing, being with Jesus Christ until the day that you see him face to face. I mean, I'm talking about growing. I'm talking about knowing. I'm talking about hanging out. I'm talking about having purpose. We're going to see all this in just a moment. Here's what Christ's followers have done. Now you've got a picture. See, they, they, are, they are all about the, the, the kingdom living up to the point that you accept Jesus Christ. But what Christ's followers have done the past 30 years is, okay, we accept Jesus Christ. And now, you know, accept him here, here. And now we're just going to coast. We're going to wait on heaven. That's where you get all the southern gospel music, a lot of those songs. That's the kind of church I grew up in. You know, the only the new excited Christians that anything for God or gave anything or served, you know, you know or read the Bible, we've learned 20 things. That's said, no, man, I want you to get to know me in a moment and continue to learn and Grow with me. That's about me. But God said to know him the rest of your life until we see each other face to face. That's what Jesus taught. It was called kingdom living. The rapture is a picture of that. The rapture reinforces that. The rapture just says, listen, there is life until the end and beyond. And a lot of these movements, bad. that's the difference. That's the difference. Jesus offers hope. Other things don't offer hope, and we're going to see this. Check this out. Jose Arguez, a key person in the 2012 movement, all the Maya calendar stuff predicts mass destruction, mass catastrophes, ice age returning, survival of the fittest, all this kind of stuff. But the problem is this, there's no hope. And Paul said the difference with the rapture is that there's hope. And this isn't Christians trying to do this cultural opiate and and kind of numb themselves, kind of morphine themselves from reality or have some kind of crutch. He said, listen, the great God... And our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, is who this is based on. This is who it's based on. Check out the calendars. Check out the history books. Brahm, you're not going to find it. No offense to my Muslim friends, but Muhammad never rose from the dead. He had some different, different teachings. He had some teachings that created great faithfulness to certain people. But he never rose from the dead. Confucius had some amazing sayings. A lot of philosophers played off that. But he never rose from the dead. Rutherford with the Jehovah Witnesses never rose from the dead. There has been never a pope or a Baptist preacher rise from the dead. Never. There's never been a Christian church leader rise from the dead. Ever. It's never happened. There's never been a Buddha. None of the Buddhas have ever risen. None of them have ever been experiencing some karmatic cycle that spits them out and they are whole and well in themselves again. It's never happened. Jesus rose from the dead. And Paul said, listen, I want you to know but the teaching that there is life until the end and beyond is based on Jesus Christ. So you, you can be free from sin. Jay, what about this sin? That sin. What about that secret? That secret. What about the things that I've done that I'm trying to forget that are eating my lunch that keep me guilt-ridden? I'm talking about that. What about when I did this and nobody was like, what about that? when I did this to keep my parents from knowing? And I did this and I did this and I covered with it. God says, listen, that. I can forgive that, Jesus says. Just believe and receive. Paul said, not only is he going to do that, he's going to cleanse us. Probably, if you're not a Christ follower, if, you know, if you're here and you are, you weren't at one time, one of the reasons that most people avoid accepting Jesus Christ is not believing who he is. It's they don't feel they can live up to his expectations. They see this person that they deem as holy, They see someone that's maybe walked with Him for a while. Or they see some kind of person that's posing with the right virtues. And they say, I can't live that kind of life. And God says, listen, I want you to know that I'm going to cleanse you. I know from the moment that you accept Christ till the day you see me, you'll never have it all together. I'm going to institute these things where, as you're walking along and you messed up, which is another teaching of Jesus. How many people have ever heard of the foot washing thing, where Jesus washed the disciples' feet? We're always like, no, no, it's real awkward. I'm glad we don't do that today. Which I'm too, so Because I'd be the guy washing your feet. That would really blow for me, right? So, what was that all about? Jesus was saying, listen, once you get saved, your your life is going to collect some dirt. You're going to have some moments where you lack faith. You're going to have moments where you sin. You're going to have moments where you do things you shouldn't. You're going to have moments where you say things you shouldn't. You're going to have moments where you think things you shouldn't. I want you to know that God says, I can cleanse that. I can remove that clutter and dirt from your life and make you and I cool again. That's what cleansing all about. And, and the big message is, I know you don't have it all together, and I'm okay with that. That's Jesus Christ. God offers us identity. Check this out. Look at the verse again. Keep the verses up. He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin. to cleanse us and to make us his very own people. Jesus Christ wants to make you his own. Guys, I want to put that, because I look at that through a type A. What is a type A? Type A likes to be in charge, likes to always win, likes to never lose. In his mind or her mind, is always right. How many people know somebody like that? Crystal, don't raise your hand. How many people know people like that? Yeah, yeah, they are pointing to them, elbowing them. But that means this for type A. When everything's stripped away. When the trophies and the accolades and the titles are gone. You're Jesus Christ. Your identity is in him. That means for the person that maybe is a different type of person. Maybe you're laid back or more introverted or, or you're more, you know, just you're more brooding or emotional or everything you're feeling's are on your sleeve. That means for you. Your identity is not based on everything going on around you. But you don't have to be victimized and a victim to life. But God has a plan for your life. And he bases that plan on your identity in him. Here's the way most people live, it, and we're all guilty of it. People act like God owes us. But here's the difference. God chose us. When you live like God owes you, you are consistently frustrated. You are mad when you don't get your way. You are mad at every church you go to. If you're a Christ follower, if you're not a Christ follower, it's different. But if you're a Christ follower, if, if people don't kiss your behind and, and pamper, your, pamper your booty and powder your booty and, and make you feel special all the time, then you're going to bail. Because your faith and connection to God is based on how you feel and what other people can do for you. And that's your identity. God says, man, I want to heal you of that. If you're a type A and you're super controlling, you're one of those type of people. And you've always, you know, that God owes you. And you're always going to feel like every time you do something for Christ, every time you serve him, every time you flip a switch, turn a knob, hang with kids, stay in the nursery, that God's got this, you know, this uh, health savings plan for you where you're just racking up the points. And that, you know, that Christmas it's going to cash in and sometimes it doesn't. A lot of times it doesn't. Because it doesn't cash in until we get to over there, I've seen him face to face. Now, I don't cash in some here. But when we step back from that, from all of that silliness and foolishness, blessed to impress and all this junk, we say, you know what? I'm a broken person from a broken home. And I've had a broken life. But I accepted Jesus Christ, and according to Ephesians 2, God sees me like he sees Jesus. You may see the traits and I may see the traits of of fear and worry and failure and and incompetency. But when Jesus looks at a Christ follower, when Jesus looks at someone who's invited Jesus Christ into their lives, when they've invited him in, what he sees, it's like looking in a mirror. And he is the express image of the Father. When God sees you, he sees Jesus I mean God doesn't see when I flip that guy off of traffic. God doesn't base my value on that. He sees it. He don't base you your value on that. He's not happy about it. It's not a license to go flip everybody off and pull it out in front of you. Yeah, that's the that whole cleanse piece. Believe me, he does a lot of cleansing for me in the driving area. Okay. But it's this identity. I've spent most of my Christian life pushing 30 years now. As a Christ follower, I thought it was 27, it's 29 years as a Christ follower. Undoing most of what I learned the first 12 to 15 years that I followed Jesus Christ and realizing, and I feel like a child and I feel like a neophyte in my faith, that my identity is based on Jesus. And the reason I do what I do is not to earn God's favor, As I have God's favor as a child of Christ and of God. Paul said this. He closed with that last line. Give me the verse again. Fourteen. Totally committed to doing good deeds from the 80s. I, when I see that, I'm like Dirty deeds, and they're done dirty. that's the song I think of. You will do now all day long. I have a purpose that's rooted in Jesus Christ. My purpose is to make a difference. We say it at Point like this. Discover Jesus. Go be Jesus. Go to, go to your salon, your cubicle, your classroom, your office pool, you know, your corner office and be Jesus. But the first part is don't you know? Don't worry about that until you've discovered him personally, invite him into your heart and life, and then go be him. Who needs cookies in the office? Who needs a listening ear in the office? Who needs a, who needs who needs help in the office in your, in your in your friendship pool? God says, go be me to them. I make a difference. You make a difference because He's made a difference in us. What we do as Christ followers We translate it Be weird Be against something You know Hate people that aren't like me And you know Where do you go? I don't like them They're big I don't like them They're small. Blah, 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 blah. God says listen man I chose you You didn't choose me I chose the people you don't like That you don't get along with You didn't choose them Because so you wouldn't have choose them You would have been like Later But I chose them also I want you to come together in this thing after you've accepted Christ, this place that God said. He's created the church, Ephesians chapter 4 and 5. I want you to come together. I want you to impact the world for Jesus Christ. And I wonder today, the weekend after Thanksgiving, what would happen? Just it with me for a minute. What would happen? Those of you that aren't a Christ follower, if you said, you know what? Prejudice, I'm, I'm gonna lay down all the things I don't understand. You don't have to understand it all to believe on Jesus Christ. Nobody does. She said, I believe Jesus died and rose again for me, and I'm gonna accept him. What would happen in your life? It'd be amazing. What would happen for those of us that have accepted Jesus Christ if we truly took the rapture into consideration and we did this? We said, There is life until the end. what if we really believed that and we came together? I can tell you this. There's going to be a lot of kids saved in 2012. There's going to be a lot of your coworkers and families that are going to come to Jesus Christ. There's will be a lot of your neighbors going to say what's going on in your life that you didn't know there are problems and suddenly you are the counseling, you are, you are Dr. Phil, because God has placed his hand. God says you're available and I can use you now because you're trying to go be Jesus in the world and this is your world too.